This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com for February 12th. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week, we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table, and Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional batter who lives on his winnings. And now, becoming a regular, Stephen Nover, a genuine, and that's a key word here, genuine Las Vegas sports betting journalist. This is a guy that reports on the industry for a living. He was, I was actually looking at Stephen's bio for another matter yesterday. He taught a class on sports betting at UNLV. Now, think about that, a professor of sports betting. That's, that's pretty good. Okay, let's get straight to the show. Now, one of the things we pride ourselves on is we focus on info worth betting. It's not about water cooler talk. It's not about the kind of Mike and Mike stuff. It's about how do you make money with this information. But there's two stories that are just so big out there that, that we wanted to talk about them. And then let's apply these stories to sports betting. First up, A-Rod, steroids, the whole thing. Been the story since Saturday. Let's get a betting angle on it. And right now, what's interesting is we're going to be looking at the Yankees as future bets, and we're going to be looking at the Yankees early in the season. Is the first 10 games or so, are they going to be a go-against or, or a play-on? Right now, the Yankees are about plus 500 to win the World Series. Clearly not a good number, and when you have such a public team like that, uh, you're usually going to be undervalued and, and, uh, or overvalued, really, and you're going to get short value as the better. So who wants to jump in on A-Rod and what they think it's going to mean to the Yankees? Well, I think with um, A-Rod, I don't think it'll have any betting ramifications unless he gets suspended. There's talk that they may suspend him, then that could have some effect on, on the Yankee uh, uh, lines uh, because he's one of the few position players who obviously is worth something on the line. As far as Yankee future book odds, it's uh, it's just a total sucker play to ever invest your money and make a future play in the Yankees. Cause, because they're such a marquee team. Yeah, yeah. They're the biggest public team out there. The odds are horrible. The bookmakers know they're going to get future play on the Yankees. So you're better off if they were to make the playoffs, just bet them on the money line to win each of uh, the series. So let's pull away just one second. In, you know, VR, you seem to bet more futures than anyone in this group is would you say in general you bet future bets on long shots much more often than favorite? Like, what's the shortest price you'd ever take on a future? Um, it would have to be definitely over 5, 6 to 1 range. To be at that range, it would have to be a heavy favorite. Like, I'd have to think it's an overwhelming favorite to get to the championship game. And, and you um, say just that game because it might be a hat. Exactly. What I usually look for is in the 20 to 1 and higher range because that allows me to start earning as soon as my team hits the playoffs. With odds like that, you could guarantee yourself a profit because of the just hedge. because you foresee your team getting to the playoffs. But you don't always hedge, right? If, if you uh, have no, 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 no. A lot of times, if I know I'm getting the best of it, and I'm really getting the best of it, and I'm having no case season or, you know – just where I stand bankroll-wise, it's worth it, – I'm such a high favorite, it's worth it for me to let it roll like that. So in a, in I'll a, let it ride. I've done that many times. Hedging is something uh, in the forums you hear about all the time, um, and I don't really think there's a, a lot of strong understanding on hedging. A hedge, if you think about it, is a separate bet. You're saying, I'm betting against what I originally thought. Let's say you had – for example, you had the Steelers – in the, to win the NFL championship. Exactly. And you were getting like 13 to 1. Was yeah, average. yeah. All right, now, did you hedge that? No. Because you liked Pittsburgh to win the game. Exactly. Yeah. And at the time, not to interrupt you, I felt that Pittsburgh had a better, higher probability of covering the point spread also than it was for me to hedge and try to hit a middle. I have to feel there's a middle opportunity there for me to hedge. Hedging is, you're right, you're going against what you thought before. It's the same thing with the stock market is selling short. You know, you, some people sell the same stock. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's how it is with the, with All right, the so, sports market. So let's think about this. To hedge, what you're saying is one of two things. One is I now like this bet. Like, for example, Johnny Detroit, one of our uh, key guys here, uh, Forms Guru, he had Baltimore at about 15 to 1. Um, you know, to win the Super Bowl. And he, we were talking about hedging in the AFC Championship game. I personally love the Steelers in that game. Um, I just felt like Baltimore's tired, and we talked about that in the podcast. I, I thought John should hedge because I didn't like Baltimore in that game. But so that's one time to hedge, I think, is if you don't like your team in the position they're in. But number two is if the money is life changing. For example, if you had a payoff of $5 million. If your team wins, it doesn't matter if you like hedging or not. You've got to hedge in order to guarantee you that, that $2 million or whatever the number would be. But as long as it's not life-changing money and as long as you don't not like the side you're on, I don't like hedging because you're giving the bookie another chance to juice you. Right. What, what I will add, though, is this. As a professional sports better, mindset is so key, plays such a big role every day when you, you know, approach the, the day's bets. I think it's it's highly advantageous, especially for someone starting out, to secure a profit. If you secure a profit, just... When you say starting out as a batter or as a professional batter? As a professional, building their bankroll. I think the key when you're building is to always secure profit when you can. Just your mindset, knowing that you won. You know, That's an interesting point. Plays a big role. And back in the day, I used to do that. I would secure a profit... Just it's you sleep better. You go in the next day more confident because you won. You didn't lose. In a way, that's a takeoff of the concept of life changing, or in this case, psychology changing money. True. If cashing that ticket's going to change your psychology for the better, it might be worth hedging. Marco, so I, I'm going to use a poker term with the hedging. I don't do as much future betting as VR does, but when you do, and you come to that last game, make yourself a free roll. Take enough to cover what your bet was so that in worst case scenario, you break even. You're either going to break even or show a profit. That's that's free. Roll. You don't want to lose money on such a great prediction. See, like for me to lose money on the Steelers that I made back in September, October, it, it is. It, it would be a crushing blow when they had the lead and the lose the last three minutes. It would be, you know, I mean, I, it wouldn't devastate me financially, but mentally it wouldn't linger a little longer than, but, uh, you know. Wouldn't you say, BR, the, the mindset of, of playing a future is you're, you're looking to hedge, especially if you're playing a dog. The, the whole purpose is, is to lock into a profit. Now, you're in a unique situation with the Steelers. They were the favorite. But let's say exactly. if you had the Cardinals at 40 to 1, I dare say I'm sure you would have hedged. Absol- that's a yeah. different story. You're absolutely right. See, I actually come in, uh, and, and again, I think I'm the most extreme, and maybe I, at heart I'm the... Uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say with Vegas Runner, but I'm a gambler at heart. And and I like calculated bets, but I'm willing to make any calculated bet as long as it's not life-changing money. To me, if I don't, if I got Arizona 40 to 1, and I feel, unless that's life-changing money to me, unless I feel like Pittsburgh's a good bet in this example, I'm going to let it ride. Now, and again, you're making an interesting point too. I wouldn't be hedging um, professionally, or, I, or excuse me, I wouldn't be playing futures professionally where I'm playing six, seven, eight teams early in the year and I'm looking to hedge along the way. So, so again, this is just a mindset difference is how much um, variance do we want? I mean, to extend to poker again, Gus Hansen is a poker player that plays a lot of hands. He wins a lot of money, but he's up, down, up, down like a nut. Uh, a guy like... Um, um, Chip Reese, uh, you know, who is deceased now, used to be rock solid, and his variance would be small. I don't mind a higher variance if I'm going to make more money in the long term. And can't we all agree, if, I, if I'm letting the book juice me again on that hedge, unless I think that's a good bet by itself, I'm lowering my long-term expectation by that hedge. Well, don't you want to lock into a profit? You're going to ride a, a seven-point dog... Well, let's say Arizona's a you know a seven point dog. Let, let's say, for instance, you'd have made a three hundred dollar bet on Arizona at um, forty to one, um, and uh, profit would be eighteen thousand. So you're taking a seven point dog and letting eighteen thousand ride. Why wouldn't you put some money back on Pittsburgh, where you would get a good money line price on the Super Bowl favorite, and lock into uh, 
and lock into some kind of profit there. All right, so 41 at 300 would be 12,000, just okay. so everyone you're the, knows. You're the math guy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree with you, but wouldn't you agree with me? And then we can move on. I think this is going to be a good breakaway podcast uh, at some point. It's just a whole podcast on hedging. But my question is this, is if you just look at that, in this case, that Pittsburgh bet, unless you would have bet that game on its own, aren't you giving, aren't you lowering your expectation? Because in that individual Pittsburgh bet to hedge, you have a negative expectation, right? Because you're laying 11 to 10, and let's assume the hedge is a point spread hedge, and and even if it's a money line hedge, you're laying juice. Unless you like Pittsburgh, you would bet Pittsburgh by yourself. You're saying, I'm willing to take the worst of it to guarantee a profit, which I'm not saying is wrong. I'm just saying that's not my mentality. And again, to poker is sometimes on on the high stakes um, uh, telecast on the game show network, they'll actually have a situation that there's 300,000 in the pot. They'll flip it over and say, oh, well, I'm 5248, let's just split the money. But guys like Barry Greenstein, Will, will only do that if he's getting an edge. He wants to let it roll, for example. But a guy like Phil Helmuth is very conservative, and he's willing to say, okay, I'll give you 60% of the pot, even though I have, um, you know, let's say uh, uh, 48% coming. So, so I'll take 40 instead of 48 because I want to hedge so bad. Well, Greenstein loves to do that. So, so to me, are you willing to take the worst of it in order to protect that profit? Well, I think, once again, you're getting back to it's, it's up to the individual. It's up to the professional better, how he approaches. And his approach to, to how he builds his bankroll. I mean, I know wealthy sports bettors, successful sports bettors, that one guy always hedges and one guy never hedges. And because they took different approaches to reach the same place, you know, and... That, so I think it's to the individual what you want to do. You know? Two points. Back to your poker thing. The other thing they'll do a lot of time is they'll run it twice. They'll let the, nat- the natural math odds play out with the percentage. They'll say, you know, do you want to run it twice when they go to the river if they get all their money in? The poker so how, so how would that extend to maybe they can play the Super Bowl twice? Well, more. no, but with VR, <laughs> you got the Steelers on the money line early in the year at 15 to 1, right? Right. Okay. See, for me, what I would do with that bet is I would have bet whatever my one unit was, I would have bet that on Arizona on the money line, which guaranteed you a profit no matter what happened. And you still, you would have either made a small profit or made 14. All right. So that's not, I mean, that's just a hedge. You're saying you would hedge in a small way. Because psychologically, psychologically, you don't... It's all right, guys, let's do this. Let's wrap this up because the whole point here is we got a whole spectrum. Is I'm saying I don't want to hedge unless there's an advantage. VR is saying, well, it matters psychology and a lot of things. Steven's saying, and Steven's the guy that's around a lot of pros here in town that are betting a lot of futures. He's saying the whole point of getting those good odds early is locking in the profit along the way. And Marco's saying, hey, I don't mind gambling, but I don't want to lose on such a good prediction, so I'm going to do a minimal hedge. I think everything's valid, and I think it's a heck of a conversation that we should probably have on a breakaway here soon. So, excellent. Okay, now, A-Rod, Marco... Quick thought. Do you see any, and, and you don't need to see anything, do you see any go against or go with Yankees early in the season? Because we're only about six weeks away right now. <laughs> and VR is excited about that. I've never been a big uh, baseball futures uh, player, but I really don't think no, it's going to No, I'm sorry, affect- you, you misunderstood. Is First 10 games of the year, do you see the Yankees as a go against or a go on based on a First 10 games of the year... Based on the Yankees, period, I'm always a go against because of the built-in bias against them. I don't think stadium and all. Even more so this year, you're going to pay an even bigger price. I forgot about the new stadium. Good point. Do you think the new stadium is going to make people want to back the Yankees even more at home? Exactly. And do we think that the Yankees are going to be back more or less because of the A-Rod situation? I really don't think it will have any effect. I mean, the Yankees have already gone through it with Giambi and that. And, you know, it took a while, but he came back around. Okay, and last question. Do you think that in, in true performance is the A-Rod situation going to affect the Yankees? I don't think so. For anyone, think, anyone think it will? No. It's, it's, now it's out there, you know. I mean, I think it's more the, the reporters and everybody's going to talk about it for a while until the season starts. And, and I think Marco makes a good point is the Yankees are used to controversy, not only with steroids but in general. You know, that's the culture. Okay, so uh, before we move on to our second topic, 
Um, let's talk about the rest of the podcast. So in segment two, now that it's basketball season, we're going to be doing something special. Is We're going to be talking about two different teams. And these are going to be teams either on an upward or downward uh, trajectory, as they say. And we're going to say, do, is this a go-against team because they're going up? Or go against team because they're going down, or are they a play on team? Um, and we'll be picking out and profiling two teams a week in the middle section. And then in the third section, as usual, free picks from everyone here, and question of the week, and a special coupon for pregamepros.com to get the best picks um, available from our handicappers. Okay, so moving on in segment one, let's talk about Favre. Um, now, here's what's interesting we're going to go to Stephen first. He had a blog post just recently at pregame.com, or you can go to pregameblogs.com to go directly to the blogs, saying, hey, this far retirement and the fact that Jets didn't make the playoffs vindicates Green Bay, and Green Bay is in a much better position. Now, just to set the table here, looking at the future odds, the Jets are 25-1 to 1 right now for Super Bowl 43, right? Oh, it's going to be 44. And then um, Green Bay is also 25 to 1. And interestingly, Arizona is 30 to 1. So, Stephen, what's your thinking? Well, uh, going back to that blog a year ago, let's go back. The number one story going into the NFL uh, season was uh, the Packers having to make a decision on uh, keeping or letting Favre go. It was a hell of a tough decision for their general manager, Ted Thompson. And he, as it turns out, a year later made the right call. He let Favre go. Public opinion was against him. He he uh, stuck to his guns. He drafted Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he believed him and believed in him. And Aaron Rodgers came through with a very good season, shows a lot of promise. And Favre, same as last year, started out good but couldn't last the, the season, got banged up at his age. It really... Uh, really took a toll on his body, on his arm, and then he could not play in cold weather anymore. Now he's retiring. The Jets give up a number three to the Packers for that, and then now they're back to square one where they were last year. They need a quarterback. So let me ask you a question, because, Stephen, NFL is one of your specialties. Back to your bio, it, did it hold up this year? You haven't had a losing football season? I had a great football season. I was, so, I was so how many? I saw yeah. in the bio, how many yeah. years have you won um, in football specifically? I've been doing it professionally for nine years now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And no losing football. No season. losing NFL seasons. That's yeah. awesome. That's I wish awesome. I could say that for all the sports, <laughs> but but I can't. Just just NFL. Well, that's one of the beauties of a site like pregame.com is we have specialists, NFL specialists, NBA is is your specialty in, in uh, basketball too, right? Okay. So you said something about Rodgers and he had a good year. Now, did you watch enough Packers? To me, that's a debate I've heard back and forth. How well did Rodgers play? Um, what's your take as an NFL expert? Rodgers played very well. He was very accurate. He played better than expected. He threw a better long ball than Favre. He uh, showed a surprising durability more than that. That was kind of question. He showed durability and toughness. He was not the reason why the Packers had such a poor record. In fact, he was one of the real bright spots. And if they would have stuck with Favre, Rodgers would have left there. He'd be a free agent. He would have had no confidence and uh, the Packers would be stuck with Favre's DVAC again. Oh, I'm retiring. And, and uh, I mean, Favre is still a useful quarterback. And in, in the right situation with the right team, I think he could be very effective. I think he'd be very effective with the Vikings handing off to Adrian Peterson, throwing in the dome. You know, with a good offensive line, he'd be very good with them. But he was not a good fit for the Jets. And that's another point is that with Favre, let's just say for the sake of argument, Favre is the 15th best quarterback even today, and I think that's valid. I, I don't know if it's it's 12th or 18th, but it's in that in range. In that range, yes. Is now he's removed from the market. So now the Jets uh, the Jets are looking for a quarterback and, and in addition to the other teams, Minnesota, Chicago. So how do you see that, Stephen, affecting uh, those teams? It hurts the other teams in the market for a quarterback. The, the Vikings, the Bears, the two teams you mentioned, there's uh, probably half the teams out there are looking for a quarterback. It's not a great free agent crop, and it just got a lot more competitive because now the Jets are in the market for a quarterback. Kellen Clemens is not the answer. they got to come up and, and uh, get a veteran quarterback. So he's, from what you've seen, Clemens is not the answer. No, no, I don't think he's the long-range answer. Okay, so remember, we're talking future odds. Now, futures are a place that there is such a variation in, in the payoff 
if you shop around. So if you're looking to play futures, go to pregameaction.com and we have a list of the best offers uh, or there, there is a list of the best offers from the most trusted books out there, pregameaction.com. And before we move on and talk to um, Marco and Vegas Runner about Favre, I tell you, Steven's been blogging fairly regularly, and he's he, there's really two areas I think his blogs are special. Um, one is the inside Vegas. This guy really is a journalist. He's talking to everyone, and, and there's some real inside tidbits that are, even for a guy like me in town, it's very fun to read. Um, I can remember being back in Ohio. I would have uh, been uh, chomping at the bit to get any sense of what was going on in, in Vegas uh, way back when. And, and number two, he's got a Stephen's got a real good kind of Larry King, uh, USA Today. Or um, you know, Larry King used to have a USA Today column where it was he would mention this, that, and go dot, 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 and just have one or two sentences about. He'd say something like that: Marlon Brando can act, you know, dot, 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 or whatever. <laughs> and Stephen's got a good feel for that. But but sports betting related. What's your position on Brando, by the Steve? Great actor. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I'll, I'll be a little less master of the obvious in, uh, in what I write. And, and I apologize for not writing longer. It's kind of like a break from handicapping. Okay, no, I'll knock out this blog. I and think just it's great. I think those two or three hundred word kind yeah. of elliptical blogs are awesome. Well, it's and more just throwing out opinions and hopefully seeing what sticks. And if we can get some dialogue going and build up the you know the forums are going very well. And if we can throw something else out there, yeah, so. great job, great job. Okay, so whoever wants to jump in first, any other thoughts on fire? Uh, well, I'm glad to see him go. I think he should have retired last year, definitely. Um, I think this is going to benefit Aaron Rodgers immensely. Although he did have a good year last year, um, the one thing that I'll disagree with you, uh, Stephen, is I think when they hit the two-third point of the season and you started to see the season slipping away from Green Bay and the Jets after they had that two-game uh, win streak against New England, and then they went in and handed Tennessee their first loss of the season. The pressure, I think, shifted back to Rodgers because the talk shows started, you know, back in Green Bay again. Did we make the right choice? Look, the Jets are going to make the playoffs. They were, you know, the the king of the East at the time, and I don't think Rodgers was ready for that pressure. Now that the season played out, neither team made the playoffs. It shows that they did make the right choice. Favre was at the end of the rope. I think next year will be the breakout year for Rodgers. He will not have that shadow or the monkey on his back, so to speak. So I think it definitely benefits Green Bay so do you and Rodgers. Like, do you look at 25-1 to 1 on Green Bay and think that's a nice price? If they can help the defense in the draft. I, I would never play a future until after draft day. That's interesting. Now, that bring, and then we'll go to VR to wrap here, but it brings up a couple points. One is, let's, for, I mean, and again, I'll, I'm going to defer to the NFL experts here, and we got a couple of them, is Green Bay made it to the championship game with a home game against the Giants, and they were a seven-point favorite in that game, if mm -hmm. I remember. Yes, correct, yes. This is a team that was a seven-point favorite to go to the Super Bowl, and clearly Favre wasn't the reason for that. He was, a, you know, maybe at that point the 10th or 11th best quarterback in the league, maybe even a little better, but that was a solid team. Now, if Rodgers is going to end up being next year as, as good as, you know, let's say in that range of Favre two years ago, has Green Bay gotten a lot weaker in general otherwise, or is it, the, is it that same team? They uh, completely changed their defense around. They Their defense was very weak this past year, much weaker than two years ago. It's like night and day. Some of that, though, was due to injuries, but they blew it up. They went to a, they're going to a 3-4 defense. They're copying Markle's team, the Steelers. They brought in Dom Capers, you know, the you know very early proponent of the 3-4. And so they're changing that all around. The question you have to answer if you're going to get involved with a Packers future book look is, do they have the personnel right now? to fit the 3-4. I'm not sure they do. Aaron Campman was their best defensive lineman, their best pass rusher. I don't see him as a fit at all for a 3-4 defense. He's a traditional stand-up defensive end. Now they're going to try to address this in the draft. Uh, they'll have four picks in the top 100. Let's see if they go defense. I anticipate they are going to go defense. They're going to look at linebackers. They're going to look at guys that fit this 3-4 before you really you know, make any uh, rush to the window. There's no rush right now to, to, go, to go bet a future book. Agreed. Vegas Shriner, any closing thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Marco that as far as Green Bay, 
the biggest improvement we're going to see is is the Rogers situation. Now he's got another year under his belt. They'll make out the best from the far thing. But I mean, my feeling is it's too early to bet futures right now to look into NFL futures. Uh, I don't think Clemens is the answer in in New York. I think they're downgrading from Favre absolutely. And you got to, I mean, I think it's time for Favre to go, but you got to say, look, he added a lot of excitement to that New York Jets team. This team was 4-12, and weren't they, the year before? And all of a sudden, we're talking about them when they had beaten Tennessee, when Tennessee was undefeated, is possibly the best team in the AFC. So it was a good final year. It's time for him to go. Jets will take a step backwards, I believe even with the new coach. They gave it a shot, the Jets. They, they rolled the dice. They made a huge lot of free agent signings. Yeah. They thought he'd be the final piece. And it turns out he did have a good run. But unfortunately for the Jets, they did something. They found out what the Packers already knew. Favre can no longer play in December in cold weather. And if you weren't going to do it with the Brady-less Patriots year for the Jets, you're not going to do it next season. So I think he made the right choice and, and backed out. And I would, just to close, I would make... One kind of other side of the coin or the the double-edged sword with what Marco said. True, the shadow's gone. But if Rodgers doesn't perform well, the excuses are gone too. And I can tell you right now, I could see one of two things next year. He performs well and becomes a premier quarterback. Or he starts playing poorly, even for four or five games. And lo and behold, his career is over because psychologically for a quarterback, if he's getting booed or he's getting benched, it might be a situation where it's, uh, it, that's, that's the end of it. So he might get the itch come late in the winter. Uh, can I make it? Needs someone. Uh, that's, I, that's, no, the no, no. VR is entirely right. I was yeah, just going to say I'm going to make a prediction. Going to make a prediction. Brady gets hurt late. You we know, have not heard the Brady, last of Brett Favre. I mean. He can still play. He's going to get the itch again. Right now, he's very down. His shoulder hurts. That's what it is. The, the team is before, down on he him. He never talked health when he retired. Before the man said, "I could still play." Now yeah. you're not hearing. RJ's looking incredulous, but he's when, uh, when when professional players start talking about their health and their conditioning being bad, that's when they're ready to retire. All right. So so here's my question, Stephen. What's your favorite steakhouse in Vegas? <laughs> my favorite steakhouse in Vegas. I'm a Del Frisco's guy. You ever eat there? I, I got a sleeper place for no. my favorite steak place. What is it? The Pullman Grill on the Main Street Station downtown. All right, let's bet a steak Excellent. dinner okay. between you and me. Okay. I say Favre does not play next year. Okay, you're on. All right. Okay, you're so on. Let's, <laughs> yeah, that's good, too. That's yeah. good, too. All right. That's I got a head here, though, VR. This is a real expensive well, place. I had your taco <laughs> at some point, right? It's of the steak. Yeah. Is there okay. sizzlers in Vegas? <laughs> I purposely didn't say Ruth Chris because I got to hedge my, my pocketbook here. That's All right. right. So we got our bat with Steven. Good conversation. We're going to be moving into segment two in which we'll be talking about the Duke Blue Devils and the second half of the NBA season. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join Pregame.com for free, and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign-up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit Pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. We're back. This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, February 12th, segment number two. And this is a new segment for basketball season. We'll be going back to uh, next football. We'll be going back to picking out two marquee games for the weekend. But during basketball, we're going to talk about marquee teams, especially teams that are either going up or down drastically of late. Now, this is Thursday, and Duke blown out last night by North Carolina. This is a team, unless I'm mistaken, that was number one within the last few weeks. How good is this Duke team? Is this blowout? And this is always the question. When something happens short term, is it an aberration? Is it a fluke? And if so, you can gain from backing that team because the public's going to react to what they just saw. Or is this a sign of, of deep problems? Marco. 
Well, the, the Duke team definitely has got some problems. And the chinks in the armor that we're seeing in the last five games, they've lost three of their last five games after they rose to the number one ranking. They went in and lost at Wake Forest at the end of January. Last Wednesday, they got blown out at Clemson, scoring only 47 points. And then last night on their home floor for the fourth time in a row, they lost at home to North Carolina. What we're seeing with North Carolina, at least my take on it, is if this team cannot shoot from the outside, they're done. They shot below 50% last night. They don't have a power inside game. They don't have the athletes to compete defensively like they used to. Um, this team's going to have trouble in the NCAA tournament. They'll definitely make the tournament, but I don't see them going deep. Okay, so what you're saying is, and it's interesting, um, uh, there was a post in pregameforums.com talking about that this is the only third. Um, you know, I have trouble with his pronunciation. The North Carolina stud, what's his name? Hansborough. Yeah, which that, one? Oh, okay, there you go. But no, the fourth year guy. Um, he is. Uh, he's only the third player in in I think this is what the post said in college basketball history that beat Duke four times on their floor four straight years. Is that right? That's pretty impressive. Um, so you're saying this is a team that can shoot outside, and if they're hot, they can play with anyone. If they're not hot outside, they can't match up physically. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So to me, and then we'll move around the table here, one, one of the things we talk about all the time with March Madness, and March Madness theory is one of my specialties, is outside shooting teams have trouble because winning or shooting well six straight games to win it is difficult. So this is a team that we're saying is going to have trouble winning those six games. I think we can... Probably all agree to that. Now, here's the question I'd like to pose to whoever wants to jump in. Do we look at Duke as a possible play on when they can physically match up? Because let's be honest, they might not be able to match up against the top dozen teams in the country. But if they're playing a mid-level team in their conference, they are physically superior. They do have a coaching advantage. And they do have that outside shooting, which very likely could be on that night. Are they a go-against just against... The best teams, or are they just a general go-against? Well, the problem is right now they're in the heart of the ACC schedule, and with seven games remaining, five of them are on the road. So they're not in the best spot to be having problems right now. But that's nothing new for a Coach K team going into the, the tournament. He's done this before and gotten on a roll. I mean, it's classic Coach K. Um, when you look, they've had the 15th toughest schedule in college basketball. They're sitting at 20-4, and four, so it isn't that bad. Um, the polls had them as number five or six, but you look at LVSC's poll, the odds makers poll, which is all that matters to us since we bet, um, and they had Duke as number two this week. Just this recently. This week. Carolina one and Duke two. So, I mean, you know, this this team is stocked. They're, they still Which tells you if, have, they, if Vegas believes in Duke and you as a better don't, you're going to get extra value going against because, one, Vegas believes in them. We know the public, that's a marquee team the public likes to back, which makes them have inflated lines. So if you have both the insiders in, in Vegas and the public back in the team, they're, they're a prime go against if you disagree. Exactly. And, and, but, and then you look, losing at Wake Forest by two isn't, you know— is going to drop them in anyone's power ratings. Let's put it that way. How good? I mean, top twenty. How good is Duke? Are they the fifth best team, seventh best team? I I say yeah. They're. I, I would put them definitely in my top six for sure. I would. I would still keep Duke. The North Carolina thing is something we've seen for the last three years. Okay, the, they've shown that, and odds makers believe this too. When when teams play a, a certain team so many times, and it's the same class. Home field is diminished, and we've seen that with this Carolina and Duke these last three or They're four years. They're so familiar years. with each other. Yeah, where the home field has been diminished, and it showed a little in, in, the, in the line yesterday. So, I mean, you know, they're still in my top five, top six teams. Okay, so too. I'm going to ask Stephen this question specifically, but, but then I, I think this is a key question. And it's really a, a line of thinking you just don't hear on the Internet too often, and, and I think it's necessary. These, these lines makers aren't idiots. We know that. I mean, the numbers, these power rankings are pretty solid. So if the power rankings say this team's eight, point, eight, eight points better, it's probably in that range. And if you're having to lay 11 to 10, 
you probably are not going to win if all you're doing is saying, well, I think Duke's a little overrated or underrated. I'm going to go that way. You might be getting a point of value, but you have to get more two or so to break, one and a half to break even or two, and then three or three and a half. You know, you, to really win long term, you have to be laying five when you're supposed to be laying eight and a half. That's when you're going to win 57, 58% of the time. So my question to Steven is, when you look at this Duke team, and again, maybe it's not even about Duke, uh, because again, NBA is your specialty, but what matchups are we looking at where we can say, okay, this Duke team's gonna underperform against, let's say, really physical teams, and but might, but might overperform against this type of team. This kind of fundamental matchups are something you don't hear a lot about. You just hear Duke's good or Duke sucks. But you don't hear about Duke's good in this situation. You know, that's something they talked a lot about with the Steelers. And football's a sport I understand better. Is certain teams do well against the 3-4, certain teams don't. Blocking schemes, all these different things. But most casual fans, casual batters don't think like that. What matchup considerations do we have with this Duke team? And, Stephen, if you have some thoughts or anyone. I just have some, some general thoughts because uh, most of my focus is on the NBA where I'm more fundamentally with the matchups regarding those teams. Uh, with Duke, um, I mean, uh, this isn't the first time they got hammered, you know. And this was a, you know, it's no big disgrace to get hammered by North Carolina. But this was at home, and this wasn't the first time they got hammered. Uh, having said that, though, I may look to them in the, in the next game because usually that's kind of a, a handicapping play that, that uh, can often be successful is go, uh, go with a team that just got hammered on national TV, and go with them the next time. And the rationale is the team's going to be really motivated. Motivated. There could be some line value. And there's going to be line value because the public just undervalued that team. Okay. Now, that undervaluing would have to go against the fact that Duke in general is one of the overvalued teams. So Marco or VR, matchup-wise, specific, and this is something that all basketball season I want to be talking about, is certain teams, you know, when you really get down to it, this is where you make the difference is – these matchups. Is there anything with Duke that we can say, here's a matchup to look out for, either pro or con? Definitely for the con is going to be any team that has a, an outstanding defense. You're going to want to look at going against Duke because, if, again, if they have that bad night shooting, it's going to you know hurt them. And when they get into the NCAA in March, the type of teams, any type of Big East team that plays hard-nosed defense, physical right away, Connecticut, Pitt, you know, those two teams play great defense. You get into a matchup late in the thing, you're going to meet UCLA, another, you know, stout defensive team. Those teams will give Duke a lot of problems. All right, so we're saying that a matchup to go against Duke with, and my bias is to go against Duke because they are a premium value team in general, is what we're saying is against a very strong defensive team, look to go against. Okay, VR, any specific matchup thoughts? To me, Duke's a strong team, man. They, they got a great defense. They got height. You know, they're, they're so, one of the... So what's a positive? I mean, let's, let's stick to the specific question. What's a positive matchup for Duke in your mind? I think them in a, a revenge-type situation because they're, they're, I think their downfall has been their youth, their inexperience. And I think once they see a team once and play them. I think you have a better shot back in them the next time. So you like Duke the second time around? Yeah, I really do. And, and, and that's one, because of coaching One Coach advantage? K, one for Coach K, you know you're going to have a great advantage going in. And two, I think their youth, that that's going to serve them best if they get to see a team, get to play a team, and then meet them a little later down the road. All right, so as an interesting concept, is if you have a young team that's performing well, and clearly Duke's a top 20 team. Especially that plays defense the way Duke plays. They're a top three, top five defensive team in the country, statistically, uh, with that strength of schedule. Okay, so that and strength of schedule is something you're a strong believer in, and I think that, that most uh, handicappers agree with you on that. Is What we're saying is if we have, there's a lot of diaper-danny-type teams that recruit very well. A team like Kansas might fall into that example, that, that they lose a lot of guys one year, and they're top 20 still, and that's based upon the quality of these recruits. But you're saying these are the teams that evolve even or, or improve even more so during the course of a season. Exactly. And you and, put Duke in that category. Yes, and I believe even though they've 
came out of this uh, out going 19 and one or whatever they were, even though they came out winning all them games, and now's when they're having problems. The problems are coming when they're being most tested. So you're saying they might be playing better now, even though it doesn't look like Exactly. It. Now's when they're getting more tested. And I think we're going to see this team do well in their conference tournament. And I think we're really going to see them advance in the when March Madness All right, gets. so we have, we have a, a, a difference of a opinion. A Sweet 16 team in my mind. We have a difference of opinion. And, and, and this proves that... Everything isn't always obvious. If it was, everyone would have that opinion and the line would adjust for it. We have Marco saying they're going to have trouble against really strong defensive teams and they won't advance in the tournament. We got VR saying they might be playing the best they have all year, and though the public doesn't believe that, and thus there might be value on Duke. So we're going to see, and one of you guys, you want to bet, bet any tacos or anything? Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take Duke. Give me plus one, plus 200. I'll take him to get to the Elite. Plus two hundred, elite eight. Okay. Uh, so two, two. Uh, because you know the the committee's going to give him a nice seat. Always. All right. So you want that or not, Marco? Well, <laughs> I'll take it right now. Duke would. I would have Duke if the season ended today. They would be a number two seed. Okay. If they lose a couple more games, they could drop to a three seed. And if that happens, if they're a three or four seed, they ain't making it. And that's date. a great story. Do you want to take I'll take the bet. All right, so we're betting two lunches. All right, so if you win VR, you get two lunches. If Marco wins, he gets one yeah, lunch. But he might be eight. eating more than you, so it might actually be yeah, even money one, right one now. One lunch. <laughs> Duke to the Elite Eight. To the Elite Eight with Dookie. Okay, now, before we move on to the second part of this segment, third segment is coming up, and we'll be given a free pick from everyone here and be answering the question of the week, which uh, in the forums at pregameforums.com, we are open to all questions, and we answer one question a week. Okay, let's do it quick. Or not quick, but let's focus on one team. I want to hear one team that we think is going to overperform or underperform in the second half of the NBA season. But since Steven's an expert in the NBA, Steven, I want to hear one over and one underperform from you specifically. When I look for an over, I, I look first at the under-the-radar teams. One of the best point spread teams in the first half of the season has been Oklahoma City. I believe there's something like 26 and 11 against the spread in their last 37, but the word's out on them, so uh, they could uh, their point spread record could start sinking back to earth. The team I'm keeping an eye on after the All Star break, who I believe could uh, really cover a lot of games, is the Charlotte Bobcats. They should be getting back um, Gerald Wallace, their leading scorer, and Raja Bell. They should be coming back after the All Star break. They've been out, and Larry Brown has already turned them into a top 10 defense. Uh, they're um, They've had 23 different players already gone through them, so Larry Brown is really trying to put his imprint on the team, and I think he will have them the way he wants them. He's a great coach, and, and uh, I think they'll, there'll be some line value to them. So that's the team I'm thinking can overperform. When I say overperform, I don't care about the one losses. I care about point spread covers. Now, Charlotte uh, had a trade, right, just recently? Yes, uh, that's where they got your, Raja Bell and Boris Diaw. And what's your take on that trade? Did Very that good for them. Very good. Uh, Boris Diaw, I always liked him. I think he's a great all-around player, and, and, and that's helped them. That's one of the reasons why I like them. Again, it was a Larry Brown, you know, getting guys that fit his system, what he wants. So you think it, almost like VR saying where Duke is coming into their own, as a young team in his mind, you're saying that with a new coach – and, and uh, specifically with a new coach, this team's going to perform better late in the year because they're buying into the system, they're getting used to the system of Larry Brown. And the key is he's a good coach. Yes. He's a proven winner. And right. they're unlike Duke, they're an under-the-radar team. So you're going to get some in, line in value. In general, you're probably going to gain a point anytime you play Charlotte, and you're going to have to lay an extra point anytime you play Duke. doesn't mean you never play Duke. It means you always want to first look for those undervalued teams. Correct, yes. Okay, so, uh, all right, so give us an underperformer. Well, underperformer, uh, I'm looking at the Orlando Magic. They, they had a great first half, but they have a weak bench, and as the minutes pile up, as the games pile up, they're going to have to rely on that bench more. Plus, they do not have their point guard, Jam Jameer Nelson. He was having an all—he uh, made the all-star team, was legitimate. He was having a career year. That's a big loss to lose their point guard because there's a huge drop— uh, their backup point guards, Anthony Johnson, one of these run-of-the-mill veterans that's not very good. And, uh, 
you know, that, that's going to hurt them. And I could see Dwight Howard maybe wearing down a little bit. So that's a team I'm going to be looking to, to maybe fade. And I think that's a good example of an injury which is going to have a huge impact, but the public might not perceive that to be the case. The first couple games, they were real psyched after losing Nelson. So they actually, you know, did well. But now, uh, you know, they're going to lose that, that momentum. And uh, unless they come up with some point guard or not uh, to get a good one uh, uh, at this stage, is unless they make some trade, which I really don't think is going to happen, that's going to hurt them. And right now their stock is very high, so I think it's going to sink. And I think that's a general um, sports betting principle, which is a injury usually shows itself more in game two or, let's say in football, game two or three after. In basketball, it might be game three, four, or five after because the team – rallies together they say we're going to try extra hard to compensate but that can only go so long well plus also the line value uh let, let's say in baseball using the a-rod example let's say he is suspended maybe for the first five six seven games of the season okay odds makers are going to say well the public knows this this is in the news we'll we'll adjust the price a little bit for no a-rod but come the second or third fourth or fifth game there's no price adjustment for his absence yet he's still not going to play that's the same with, with significant injuries to key players and things. After a, a couple games, it just is all factored into the line then. Interesting. So you're saying that the, the uh, impact of that injury initially is in everyone's consciousness, thus it's more accounted for in the line. A couple games later down the road, it's like it's, it's yep. just a given this guy's not here and it's not as accounted for as much. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, well, that's some really good stuff. Okay, let's go to Vegas Runner. And you can pick either an underperformer or an overperformer. I think a team that's going to do well in the second half is the Miami Heat um, on the point spread. Uh, I think this team, they're sitting at 23-26 and 26 against the spread and only 11-14 and 14 at home. So I think that, you know, we're going to see more on the other side. We're going to see them cover more than cover less. Um, this is a team, I think, that as the season progresses, again, they have some youth that needs to step in off the bench for them to do well. And that's Beasley and Commerce and, and, and Chris Quinn and Dequan Cook. So I think as these pl- role players get more experience, this team's going to get stronger. And I think with the leadership of Dwayne Wade, Sean Marion, this team knows they can make the playoffs in the East. They're sitting at 27, I believe, and 24. They have a above 500 record. Going, They're going to go into the... Uh, all-star break above 500 so I think they'll come out of it knowing they can make the playoffs and go on a nice little against the spread run that's a team I'll be looking to back the whole second half all right so this is another extension of the evolution of youth you're saying it's a young team in many ways and they're going to get better and better as the year goes on absolutely interesting that's a good concept that I think we've talked about a couple times here okay Marco D'Angelo I'm going to go with a team that's going to play better in the second half, and that's going to be the San Antonio Spurs. Every year Popovich does it. He gets this team peaking at the right time of the year, moving towards the playoffs. They've had a lot of injuries the first part of the season. Uh, They're going to be in a dogfight for the number two seed all year long. Uh, Look for them to have a better second half and a fast go against. Cleveland's going to be overrated. Um, based on their first half of the season and how well they did at home, I think that you're going to have some good line value going against the Cavs. In specifically, specifically Cavs at home? Cavs in general because I think you'll see they are so, you know, so dominant with LeBron that as the season progresses in some of the later games that don't mean as much, you're going to get them getting him some bench time to save him for the playoffs, and you'll still have those inflated lines, especially at home. Okay. I actually disagree a little bit. And, and again, my basketball insights are limited. So what I'm going to do is talk broadly or not at all and let these true experts here take over. But I think LeBron, I, I, you know, psychology is something I understand quite well, I think, in sports. And I think LeBron, this is his season. I think he feels like this is his coming out. And it's, t- you know, it's a kind of like that Jordan sixth year kind of thing. It's time for him to do it. And I got a feeling he's going to carry them all the way through the end. He's young enough. The fatigue's not going to be an issue. Uh, though, Marco, you follow Cleveland very closely, being back there in Pittsburgh uh, before this year. Uh, so I respect your opinion for sure. I'm just going to give one concept. 
I actually look at the Celtics as a go against or an underperform. Clearly a marquee team, defending champs, done, done really well this year. But here's the distinction. They came out looking to defend the title, almost like professional wrestlers with the belt, and they kind of was pointing fingers. They were really into yeah. the concept of, we're not going to coast, we're going to play very well. It's a very tired team, or excuse me, it's been a very long season last year. You know, they played all the way through the championship. And now, refresh my memory, did any Celtic, were any Celtics on the Olympic team? You guys remember? Okay, sure. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure at least one was. Yeah, wasn't Garnett on? I'm not positive, but let's just, you know, that's another factor. If they were, that really tires the team out. Now you come out all the way in November, and you're saying, okay, we're going to play hard every night. We're going to win 70 games. And then the playoffs are coming up. At some point, there's got to be a law. And, and when you can go against a marquee team that's going to have a law, I think there's some value there. So I'd say go against Boston. Okay. That's great. I really enjoy this segment, actually. I think a lot of good theory and a lot of good applicable knowledge on what to bet. Um, so great job, guys. Okay, we're moving into the third segment. It's going to be uh, free picks from everyone. And we're going to have um, the question of the week. We'll be right back. This is okay. RJ Bell, Quick. founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms, the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to pregame.com and click forms or visit directly through pregameforms.com where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. And we're back, segment three of the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, February 12th. This is the segment every week we get free picks from our professionals, and we also answer a question of the week. Okay, so let's get right to the question of the week. One of my favorite posters, Jeff Scott, in the forums, and you can ask questions yourself or just interact with, we believe, one of the best sports betting communities out there at pregame.com, click forms, or go to pregameforms.com directly. Jeff Scott asks, he says, hey, he likes trends and angles, but when he does, he applies other factors to his picks. He'd like to know how uh, the pros here approach using trends and angles. So let's just go around the table quickly and, and, and get that answer because I think we or all of our pros here have a real strong opinion on this. Uh, let's start with Marco. What do you do? Uh, trends and angles are just used as supporting cast. You know, I handicap the game based on the nuts and bolts of statistics. If there's a trend in the game history, I'll use that as backing. But at this time of the year for me in February, I'm looking at second meets in college basketball because I have a lot of theories that I like to use regarding second meetings, and that's what I focus on at this time of the year. Okay, so for you, it's supporting, and is that the case in all sports or typically just basketball? All sports. I don't want to go with trends and angles, especially on the college level because the personnel change from year to year. It's not like a pro team that you know, you'll have the same team for a few years. College players come and go. A good point. Okay, Stephen. It's part of the mix. I agree with Marco. It's more supporting stuff. However, I think there's some more important trends and angles. For instance, I don't put a lot of stock in maybe a, a trend that the Pistons are two and eight on Sundays, where I would put maybe a lot more stock in the Spurs with uh, Greg Popovich being. Uh, and I'm just making up this figure. Uh, uh, Eight and one uh, against the spread on three days rest because I think he's a great uh, game preparation coach. So you got to look at the specific trends and angles to see which ones maybe have more credence. That's a great point, and I, and I think this is a breakaway podcast. Is certain trends I think are very meaningful, and certain trends are meaningless. In the internet, there's been a uh, a real exposure to a lot of trends that are very meaningless. Vegas runner. Yeah, and then you could pretty much come up with a positive trend for for anything. But for me, it, it, it all comes down to sample size. And if you're giving me a trend based on the sample size of five, it's going to have very little bearing on me putting money behind it. You know, something, if you tell me something's four and one, the last five doesn't tell me much. So I, I put very little stock in trends, and I have to agree with Steve. It's going to come down to the type of trend it is. It has to have some type of reasoning 
behind it that it will have some kind of impact in the outcome of the game. And being 2-8 and eight on Sundays doesn't do that for me. I tell you, I think you just, that last statement said it all. Sample size and how applicable is the concept to the reality of the game. All right, so Jeff, all you got to do, email Marco at pregame.com and you get $25 coupon at pregamepros.com for being selected as the question of the week. Okay, straight into the free picks. But first, oh, we're giving away even more money. Isn't that right, Mark? Absolutely. We give away RJ's money and everybody, since it's the NBA All-Star Weekend, if you type in All-Star 10, all one word, and then the number 10, All-Star 10, you will get $10 off any purchase at Pregame Pros. Just put that in at the shopping cart. It is a one-time use coupon, and that coupon will be available through Monday. Okay, so you buy, you go through the process of buying like any other time. There's a coupon uh, area at the shopping cart. You put in All Star Ten, you get ten bucks off. Ten bucks off. Well, well, what happens if the pick's only ten bucks? They got it for free. Wow, I can hear the people already beating down the door. So, okay, that's awesome. Now, free pick. And Marco, before we, you know, before we go into that, why don't you tell us one pregame pro that's doing particularly well? And then you can tell us a little bit about how you're doing and go right into your pick. Well, I'll start with me real quick because I was on a roll, but I got uh, blasted last night. I had my worst uh, day of the season last night. I went 0-4, but we're still on a great 35-19 and run on this current streak. Uh, Capper that's hot for us, um, got to go with uh, Matty O'Shea. He's been on a tear this week. He's hit two Game of the Year plays this week. And he's actually got a third one tonight. He's got a TNT TV game. That's for Thursday. So when we say game of the year, one of the things we'll do is say, okay, there's a category game. Like it's an underdog game or it's a total. And that way the cappers can say, this is going to be my biggest total bet of the year, which is very valid. Exactly. Tonight's game actually is his TV game of the year in the NBA for the first half of the season. And Maddie's currently on an 8-2 and run the last four days. For a profit of 14 and a half units. So check Maddie out uh, on his hot streak. Okay, so what's your free pick? My free pick, very uh, good situational play, is what I call a sandwich situation, and it's a meaty sandwich. Connecticut goes Saturday into Seton Hall, plays a 12 noon start game. Connecticut is coming off of playing Syracuse last night on ESPN. Big game for them. They won. And Monday night, they've got the big battle with Pitt on ESPN for Big Monday. This is a look-ahead game if there ever was one against Seton Hall. They already blasted them earlier in the season. I'm going to take the home dog on Saturday, 12 noon start, to keep this game close and go under the number. Excellent. And remember, we have a new feature, a pregame. Uh, we used to have a line service, which was okay, but we have a brand new line service. It's free, free real-time odds at pregamelines.com. Or you can just go to pregame.com and click lines and odds link, and you can see, always get the best number on these picks. Okay, Vegas Runner. All right. Uh, I found a game that I think come Saturday I'll probably even upgrade this possibly to a best bet. It's another early game, but it's a West Coast game, so I was surprised CBS has shown this at 10 a.m. UCLA at Arizona. Um, line should come out around UCLA 7 or 8. I made my true line 5, so I think we're going to have an edge going in just based on the number. Um, but when you look a little deeper, UCLA won the first meeting 83-60. to 60. Um, But now you have UCLA tonight. They're traveling. Uh, they're in a, a spot tonight where they're in a, a revenge mode. Um, against ASU, a team that they lost to. Then they play Saturday against Arizona. And again, and after that, they meet Washington. Again, a revenge spot for UCLA. So they have two revenge situations. And in between, they're playing this Arizona team who they've already beaten by 23 points. It's on the road. It's 10 a.m. on Saturday. I think we'll definitely get the cover there. Arizona will be in the game start to finish. I wouldn't go as far as saying outright win, but I think it'll come down to the last, you know, couple baskets. Now, I find this very interesting is because this is a Pac-10 game, they're playing Thursday night. So the way you're thinking about it is I'm making a number on this game, and if I can get a couple points advantage, I'm going to be happy to back 
the team in this case. So give us real quick what you what the range of numbers you think this is a good pick. Okay, at, at five, which is my true number, the circumstances and the situation point to me back in Arizona. Okay. Anything above that gives me value. Okay, now, so if you I'm like looking Arizona, at seven, if I see an eight, that's a possible three, you know, three unit best bet. So you like my Arizona? Is greater. Let me jump in. You like Arizona plus five or better on Saturday? Exactly. Okay, and it really is some interesting insight into the way a professional sets a number and says. The further away from this number it goes, the more value I think I have. And that's what we talked about. Three, three and a half points is when you can get to that 57, 58% winner. Exactly. And come Saturday, if I see UCLA's minus three only, I need to go dig a little deeper because there's something off. Excellent. Great job. Steven. Well, I have a a Sunday game that I'm I'm looking at, uh, South Florida at Notre Dame, where I'm looking at Notre Dame as finally uh, getting their frustration out and being in a kill spot. So I will be paying a lot of attention to the game tonight, uh, Louisville at Notre Dame. Just think Notre Dame, 0-7 their last seven games. That's straight up and against the spread. That kind of spread mark, the odds makers adjust. It just doesn't hold up uh, that long. And and you look at the the teams Notre Dame has gone against in this losing streak. Louisville, Syracuse, Marquette, Connecticut, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, UCLA. Five of those seven were on the road. Now they're starting to get home games. South Florida sets up as a perfect patsy for them. A terrible offensive team. They're averaging less than 62 points. They've had trouble on the road. Um, They did get a big win, South Florida. A couple games ago, they upset Marquette. But then they followed that up with a home loss to Providence. They look terrible again. This is a team, South Florida... They've been in the Big East for 61 games and have never won two games in a row. I, th- I see them as a patsy, and I see Notre Dame finally ending their frustration and just pouring it on in this spot. Excellent. That's for Sunday. Okay, I'm going to give a quick one. A lot of this basketball stuff will be stuff I'm passing on from guys here in town that I know. One of my friends, pro batter, thinks Marquette is one of the top five or six teams in the country. Um, right now, you know, and in the Big East you can get lost you know, with, with the quality in that conference. Right now, you can find 25 to 1s out there on Marquette. So I'm going to put a future uh, bet out there on Marquette, 25 to 1 or better. Remember, with futures, you can go to pregameaction.com and find the best number. And that's it for me. Okay, great show. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up here. Now remember, each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. And this has been the Sports Betting Preview Podcast for February 12th. Talk to you next week.